Hello, and welcome to the Nourish Soul podcast, where we talk about all things body, mind, and soul. I'm your host, Dr. Kelly Ritter. In this episode of the Nourish Soul podcast, I interview Michelle Schlafman. She is a holistic psychotherapist. Um, and I met Michelle through some mutual friends and colleagues in the psychotherapy world in Atlanta, Georgia. And I just instantly really liked Michelle. She's a very warm and compassionate person. She's also very gifted. She has um, lots of training, extensive training is in all kinds of different modalities in terms of psychotherapy and brain spotting, which is a trauma um, technique for clearing trauma. But she's also a diplomat um, in comprehensive energy psychology. So that is mostly why I wanted to have her on the show is I wanted to talk about energy psychology and what that is and how she uses that. So we talk about that. She's also really gifted. Um, she does great meditations and chakra clearing and Reiki, and she's just a very talented person. Um, so we talk about all of those things and how she nourishes her soul. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's bring on Michelle. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited for you to be here. And I... Um, I guess where I wanted to start, I mean, you really are, I don't know you that well. We don't know each other that well, but I think that we both have a passion for the sacred healing. And so I was just, yes, that seems like that's a yes from you. Um, so I thought maybe we would start there. Of like, how did you get into the sacred healing space and are, have you always been like that? Have you always been into spirituality or is that something that's sort of new for you? Yeah, pretty much always. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up with my parents being two separate religions. So my mother is Jewish, my father was Catholic and I was somewhere in the middle. So I always liked books on magic and um you know, going to different retreats that my mom would attend at like a meditation facility. Mm -hmm. And I think really my connection to spirituality shifted when I lost all of my grandparents and, you know, to different, different things. And uh, yeah, it just kind of mm -hmm. took me to a place of what, what is outside of this earth and what is inside of us and mm -hmm. it kind of transformed at that point. So then I was that was between the ages of 16 and 22, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is a lot of growth and changing during that time anyway. So to have some significant losses and then be pondering what is in us. And I think one of my questions has always been, why are we here? Like, what is this human experience? What, what, why would we do this? Um, as spiritual beings, why would we choose to have these bodies and be here? Um, yeah, so what is your view now on spirituality? Where are you with it now? 
I think spirituality is so broad. It's such a broad concept and and so abstract because it's different for each and every one of us. And I think really my connection to spirituality or um, I don't know if it would be considered a definition, but it encompasses everything. So, you know, it, it encompasses the, the connection that we have to our faith and the outside world within ourselves and it embodies how we take care of ourselves and how we believe and what we think and how we feel and who we bring into our world, who we relate with. Um, so for me, spirituality involves a lot of different things. It's how we live our life, you sure. know, cause there's, there's a way to live life that can be very flat and there's not a lot of meaning. And I think spirituality enforces and creates meaning in our lives. Sure. Yeah. I think, I think you're, you're right. Um, and it does incorporate a lot of different things. So talk to me about energy psychology. I know that you're super, um, I don't know if you're still doing training in, in that work, but you're incorporating that in what you do as a holistic psychotherapist. So talk to me about that. Yeah, I, so this is one of my favorite things. I love it. It it's because it is so comprehensive, which is in its title, comprehensive energy psychology. And I originally really got curious about tapping emotional freedom techniques and, you know, I did a lot of training in that, um, in that particular genre. But then I found that there was a more comprehensive approach that embodied not only tapping, but working mm-hmm. with the chakra systems and the biofield and the auras and mm-hmm. working with breath and, um, you know, different meridian points and so on and so forth. And so comprehensive energy psychology basically helps when I identify blocks or psychological reversals, mm-hmm. which are the tail enders of why we in quotation marks have difficulty getting better. It's like, I am going to do this today, but in the back of our head, if we say, but no, you're not, you're that, that's actually not what you're going to do. There's, there's a barrier that forms and it it's more challenging to actually move forward in life and to do what we want to do. If we have these blocks or psychological reversals. So comprehensive energy psychology aims at identifying what block you have and creating goals around that and targets or objectives, the thing, what is getting in the way. And then it uses those different uh, experiential techniques, which are tapping, chakra work and biofield or aura cleansing. Okay. Any leaks. And then you do kind of a individualized plan. So you do muscle testing to identify what does your body need? Do you want to work with your chakra system? Do you want to work with your meridian system? Do you want to mm-hmm. work with biofield? And then you do a particular algorithm an algorithm around what it is that you need to clear or to move through whatever block that is. So it's, it's a really well-formed approach that helps treat people who are really, really stuck. Sure. Yeah. And I often talk about, especially in trauma work and our work as, as trauma competent therapists, you know, it, it energetically, it does feel like the stuck places. And so to, to have lots of tools that you can use to unstuck yourself, to unstick yourself, um, that feels really good. So do you do that virtually too, or is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We do it both ways. And I usually have, you know, with muscle testing, there are, there are people who, 
you know, question it and I can understand why, but I also have my clients just really use their intuition to guide them to what they need. So we do do some muscle testing, but I have them do the muscle testing on themselves over zoom. So they can kind of figure out what their body's wanting from them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're sometimes people don't know. So to be able to tap into your body makes sense to me to see what your body actually wants, not your necessarily your mind or your, what your mind is telling you Mm -hmm. can be really helpful. And I think for me, what I'm kind of working with a lot now is the body, like really listening to the body so that I can align with the soul. And it feels like, so I used to think of the soul as kind of in the body, like it's something that was, and lately I've been seeing it more as the soul that the body is dropped into a soul, which is much broader and bigger. I don't know if you have some visions of that or inside of how that looks for you. Yeah. I love your description of it. I think it's really powerful because if we, if we think of ourselves as something so much more than just the body, the soul really does then expand, you know, if, if we think of it in that description, then it just makes us so much larger than we actually feel, which can be so much more supportive when our body is not feeling well. So I like that description of the soul. Right. And I think the frustrating thing is when our body doesn't feel well, it feels difficult to me when my body is not feeling great and is having issues to try and figure that out and to feel aligned with your soul anyway. And I, I guess some people maybe feel it differently, but if my body isn't feeling great, then that's, I don't know, a sign for me that I'm moving away from soul work. Definitely. And, you know, I think over the years too, I've kind of defined my soul or the soul to be something that Mm -hmm. knows all that knows everything. It's, it's, it's pure. And this, sometimes I define the spirit as being a little bit more involved with the ego and the body and the humanness that we are. And Mm -hmm. so when my body is feeling out of alignment or unwell or whatever it might be, or overwhelmed or stressed out, sometimes I remind myself that my, my soul is well, like my soul is good, right? Tap into that, tap into that energy, tap into that feeling because you will always feel connected when you are connected with your soul. You will always feel this, you know, love for yourself and for your spirit. Um, but I kind of, I suppose I separate those two. I don't know if a lot of people do, maybe they do. Um, but I think through some trainings and research and teachings, I kind of just learned that, um, in my body, that's how I perceive the soul and the spirit. Hmm. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that? Because I'm, I don't know that I look at soul and spirit separately. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't say that I have any backing. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I it can't doesn't matter. It. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm betting. I'm like, right. Um, yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm willing to bet other people feel that way too. So. Yeah. 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 It's just, I, I guess it's like an intuitive thing. And I am in reading and researching so much energy work and soul work. Um, right. I think it helps me get in touch with my systems so I can manage them. Mm-hmm. And so they're separate, almost like parts work a little bit where yeah. the body is a part, the mind is a part, the spirit is a part, the soul is a part. So yeah, not 
not a part, but a part. Um, and of course they're all whole, they're all integrated. But if I'm looking at things a little bit separately from time to time, yeah. although they're whole, it gives me, it gives me more space to look at things, to diffuse things a little bit if life gets challenging. Um, so I think in people that have a lot of, um, you know, whether it's chronic pain, chronic illness, mm-hmm. a lot of discomfort in their body, um, sometimes their body can be identified with spirit and humanness. So when they're feeling like, oh my God, I'm suffering so much and I don't like this and this is challenging, but I'm working on myself. I connect that a little bit more with spirit because it involves ego and the process of suffering. But the soul would be the one to say, you're okay. This body is just temporary and you are, you are living right now and you are breathing and there is happiness. And so I think the language for me is a little bit different between soul and spirit. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'll have to be, I'm going to be thinking about that one yeah. some more too, right? Cause I, well, I love parts. Like mm-hmm. I know that there are some psychotherapists and, and psychologists that don't work in parts. And I too believe that we are whole at the essence of who we are is completely whole and it's all integrated. And the work is in integration. I get that. And I like to work in parts. This part is kind of maybe malfunctioning at the moment, but there are other parts that are not, that are feeling pretty good. So yeah. So I'll have to play with that a little bit and see. Yeah. Cause when the ego, um, you know, when I was doing work in EMDR and we were like learning how to use EMDR and eye movements to help people with their trauma. And my, um, mentor was saying, well, they need to have a strong enough ego to be able to handle that. And I was like, wait, here I am over here in my own life, trying to destroy the ego, get let go of it, let it put it in its place. So that, cause my ego does help me get up and get where I need to go on time with some pants, but it's really not that helpful in anything else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I've, I've also worked with that. Like when you have, you have to have a strong enough ego to be able to tear everything apart. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe that's part of the work too, is to, to see spirit and soul as separate parts so that you can work on mm-hmm. the different parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so too. I, mm-hmm. and I'm right there with you with ego. We, you know, I think, I think many years before mm-hmm. people were talking about, you don't need the ego and it's, you know, it's not a, it's, it's not a great aspect of yourself to have. And then I mm-hmm. think over the years, people are realizing that no, actually ego is, is great for survival and great for motivation and, and great to get up and, you know, get ready for the day and whatever else is troubling you that you need that um for. Um, but it, it's definitely something that, yeah, we should cherish, right? Not condemn for existing, but um, look at it and see all the different facets of why it actually exists in the first place. Right. That it might actually have a place in the sacredness of, <laughs> of all of it. And I also, you know, just thinking about getting our get putting our pants on and getting to work and doing all of the things that, that we need to do in the world. I'm just wondering your perspective, cause you work with lots of different people, like how, um, how do you, well, I guess, how do you work with people in getting like integrating ego 
and then all the parts, integrating all the parts. How does that look for you? I come from a, I come from a really compassionate psychotherapy perspective. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I also bring in indirect and direct therapy. So it's a little, it's, it's a mixture of all things. I think that uh, it's really important to have people observe the language that they have and that they share with themselves and other people and mm-hmm. observe their own energy patterns and be really conscientious of what is troublesome in their life. What is something that continues to pop up where they go, oh, I don't like that. So really it's complete awareness, um, compassion, and then helping create kind of a, you know, like scaffolding path where you have on the outskirts, your, your coping strategies of mindfulness and meditation and different thought processing strategies, but in the center of everything. So it's like, here's the path on the outside, but in the center of everything, it's the more experiential process of implementing. I don't do EMDR one day I will. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. form of therapy, but I practice brain spotting and comprehensive yeah. energy psychology and, and TIR and some other things as well. Um, but that's, that's the bulk of how to move someone from one place to the next, or how I view helping move someone from one place to the next, but they have mm-hmm. to be ready to do it right. They, their body has right. to be in a place where, um, they do have enough supports around them, especially if they're dealing with trauma mm-hmm. and then be able to, to play a little bit. And sometimes I call therapy playing, like let's play around with this because I don't think it should always be, um, you know, this really intense, like, okay, let's do this. Like, let's ground our feet and let's dive head in first. It's kind of like, let's play around and see how you feel. So it's kind sure. of just yeah. flowing, organic. Yeah, I get that. And you're a very compassionate person. So it makes sense to me that, I mean, that just kind of oozes from you. Um, what I know about you were, and I, are you, were you always like that? Does that come from your background? Yeah. That when I was a little girl, people were like, gosh, you should, you should really be a therapist. You're like, dear Abby, I love making friends, like making friends. I still love making friends. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of been in my nature. I had a, I had an interesting childhood and it kind of, it created a, a really deep sense of kindness within my body. So. Ooh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I think a deep sense of kindness in my body and, and I wish ever for that to happen to everyone, like a deep sense of kindness that you actually embody. Yeah. I think, you know, I think when, when people go through bullying and different things, when they're younger, yeah. Yeah. Um, they learn how not to be. And that was me from a very young age. I learned how I never wanted to be. And I learned how I never wanted to make anyone else feel. And so I think mm-hmm. that, you know, that kindness was mm-hmm. created that at that point in time, because that was like three on. So it's, it's just interesting how mm-hmm. the challenging things that we go through really do shape who we are, you know, and how we treat sure. other people. Sure. And that's what makes sense too, in the way that you're working with people, because it's a trial and error and a play. I mean, of course I love that. My background's in play therapy. So right. Videos. They're wonderful. Yeah. It's just, you know, it should be, I don't like the word should, because we don't want to should on ourselves, but um, the invitation is for it to be fun for it to be, you know, and when people are in a really bad spot, sometimes it's difficult for them to remember that it can be fun to try and navigate these things. Yeah. 
And to remember that they are actually whole. Yes. At the essence of who they are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm still trying to, I'm just soaking in the kindness in my body part. Um, Cause I think that is really special. That, well, that sometimes, we're so mean. sometimes we are so mean to ourselves, you know, oh, like yeah. we, if we do something wrong or if someone makes a comment about us that mm -hmm. we take to heart, I mean, the language that we then create in our brains and our bodies and how it feeds our system and how it feeds our bodies, like it just changes everything. So I don't, sometimes I don't think that people realize how important their subconscious thoughts are or even their conscious thoughts for that matter. You know, they have, right. it can be so sharp and punitive and um, just really takes our breath away from time to time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's the awareness piece like you're talking about. And, you know, I work with self-compassion a lot, helping people just their, their self-talk is that, and would they say that to anybody else, the stuff that they're saying to themselves, some people would be like, yes, I would be saying that to anybody. It's like, that's just not nice, but it's yeah. But helping people, but do you feel like from the energy psychology perspective, do you feel like insight is necessary? like awareness and insight, or do you feel like people can heal without even knowing? That's a good question. Yeah. That's a real good question. Um, yeah. I like that question. Yeah. Makes you think. Mm -hmm. So what I would say in this moment now mm -hmm. is that I would think that both are possible because if someone, let's say someone has a significant trauma yeah. And they have no recollection of it sure. and it's completely repressed, but they know that something happened. I think that with energy work, you can heal different parts of the body, different memories, sensations, feelings without being able to express what they actually are. Because for some people, if they were to go back to that place in time, you know, survival might be, they might be really afraid you know, they might be in a place where they don't know how they can survive, especially if that's been hidden for so many years, which, you know, sometimes creates DID. Right. So, right. right. I do think that, um, energy healing and support is possible mm -hmm. to help work or help someone move through something really significantly challenging mm -hmm. and hard and, and filled with trauma in their life. I also think that awareness and voicing what has happened is very strong and beneficial because everything's clear. So I would, I would, I would say that voicing, expressing mm -hmm. what has happened can bring more clarity perhaps because you actually know consciously what it is in your energetic healing. Like you can ask for the intention around this and then you can kind of, uh, you know, work clinically around that afterwards to process it. Sure. But I think when the body doesn't want to express what has happened and it's repressed, that the clinical portion afterwards of processing might be limited, but it doesn't mean that someone can't heal. I agree. That's what I would say to that question. Yeah. Um, and I, I used to think that you did need insight when I was a new psychotherapist. And yeah. I thought that was really important. And then in my own life and my own energy healing, which I love because energy is so efficient. It's just so efficient. Um, so I like that in my personally. Um, 
And what I've found is that sometimes I don't have to have a, a ton of insight. I can have an intention and ask for a healing and we work with the energy and the block can just go. And I think, you know, you can have healing happen at any time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I think that's hopeful, but I too, like personally, I'd like to have some insight about why I was feeling like crap and what's the root cause of it. And sometimes I just can't get there and I just need to feel better. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what, that's one of the reasons I really enjoy doing energy work and doing Reiki or Siri Reiki is because it's like when you're working with a client, you know, you have all of the uh, conversational components and psychotherapy pieces of process work and identifying and discovering and exploring and all those wonderful things. But mm -hmm. when you are doing energy work, it's, it's, it's quite silent. You know, there might be a meditation and there might be mm -hmm. some sounds and some essential oil smells and whatever else someone decides to do in energy, energy work. Um, but I love that afterwards we can process what comes up for them, you know, and I think that that's not, um, not everyone can do that. Not everyone has the, um, uh, the training requirements to be able to support that. So mm -hmm. I do think it's really, so really, again, I'm going to use that word comprehensive approach because you're getting all different facets, but energy work alone, even without the processing is amazing and wonderful. And so, so mm -hmm. helpful. I too love my energy healer when she does all of her drumming and sound bowls and smells and all of things. It's like, I don't even I have love to, it. I just, I just lay and then she does her stuff and it just feels, yeah. I feel like I've lost 25 pounds, you know? Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly my experience too. And I love all the things. I love oh. the, the singing bowls and I love the, all of it. The drumming, love drumming. Um, so, um, you know, and I think it's really important for people to find ways to do their own healing. So yes. of course you and I think that it's helpful to have a therapist that can companion you. But when somebody is feeling, because there may be somebody listening that says, I, I can't do that. You can do that. Other people can do that, but I can't do that. What do you, what would you say to them? Yeah, I would, I would give, I would encourage them to explore all the options that they connect with. So it's not just energy healing. It's not just psychotherapy. Right. It's want to go to an acupuncturist for support. Do you want to go mm -hmm. to a chiropractor for support? Do you want to go to uh, a hypnotist for support. What do you want to do? What kind of support do you need? Or where would you like to begin? Do you want to begin in your own world? Do you want to begin, mm -hmm. you know, with self-care and just meditating and practicing mindfulness? Or do you want to begin by walking outside and paying attention to flowers? Like mm -hmm. what teeny little change can get you to that place where things can start to shift for you? And I think sometimes people are afraid. They don't know what to expect. So I think it's really important mm -hmm. that all practitioners, no matter what we do, really explain the process of how we treat and support clients. Um, cause not everybody knows that, you know, not everyone knows what each of those things feel like, um, if they were to do them, if they were to experience them. Right. I totally agree. And I think, you know, being able to look at somebody's website 
and get a sense of who they, and you can just kind of feel, but I also believe that energetically it needs to be a match, no matter if it's a regular doctor or a naturopath or whoever, um, just speaking, if you're going to get help from a practitioner that, um, you can really like someone and -hmm. it can be not a good match therapeutically. And so, you know, and the, the, what comes to mind around that is that our aura. So if we have spots in our aura that are not as full and bright and kind of broken up because of whatever we've got in our own life, if the person that we're trying to help has the exact, has the same broken parts in the same areas, we're not going to be a match. Whereas and I think that's part of our work as therapists, you know, trying to get as clear, clean and clear and so that we can help as many people as possible. But if our, we can still have, you know, sections of our own healing stuff, right? We're not- Stop the isms, the asms. Right, not to be perfect, obviously. But if we are really whole and clear in the spot where our, the person that's coming to us for work is not, then we can, then we can match and help. And so I think sometimes people don't realize like use your gut um, and, and realize that you can like somebody, you can like your doctor, you can like your therapist, but if it's not a therapeutic match, you might need to move on. Mm-hmm. I love how you described that with the auras. That's really yeah. beautiful. It's so true. It's so true. And sometimes we don't know what that thing is. Like yeah. you said, like it's, it's spots or lines or mm-hmm. frequencies in the aura that you just, you have this felt sense of just something isn't right. And mm-hmm. I say that, you know, like therapy or finding a chiropractor or fi- whoever, whoever it is that you are connecting mm-hmm. with for your spiritual journey and evolution for healing. Mm-hmm. It's like dating. It's like, you really, like, you really want to interview them to, to sense and to feel out, you know research, research their background, research who they are, talk to them, ask them questions to see if you're a good fit. And if five sessions in, you decide that it's not the right fit. It's okay to say goodbye or to not say goodbye. It's okay to just leave too. You know, I think a lot of people um, have a difficult time saying goodbye because they don't want to hurt someone else's feelings. And, and that's okay. We are here to provide service, right? We are here to provide whatever it is that you need us to. And I completely agree where finding the right match is probably one of the most important things on someone's mm-hmm. healing journey. I agree. Yeah. And I also feel like if you just take, like you were saying, a tiny step, some, some tiny, sometimes it doesn't feel tiny, I'm sure to people, but you know, just like, I'm yeah. going to drink water. I'm going to yeah. have the intention to be more hydrated. I'm going to go outside and touch a tree. Um, if you just start, Um, I always talk about like the path will rise to meet you. So the people that you need, the teachers that you need, the books, the, the other humans in the, that can help you along your journey will rise, will just sort of be in your path. Um, And when people are really hurting, I think sometimes they feel like they don't know where to start, but that there will never be, um, that there is no way there is And I say where there is no way, a way will be made if you just take a step. It doesn't even have to be the right step. That's the right 
in quotations. Like it just has to be a step with the intention for your own healing or your own wholeness or whatever that might look like. Yeah. And I think a lot of people too, they're so overwhelmed because taking care of ourselves is in fact a job, you know, it, like it, like I woke up this morning and went to a 7 15 AM exercise class. And I was like, Oh, do I really want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. You know, but it, it is, it is a job to practice exercise and healthy eating habits and reminders to drink water and going to bed on time and doing all of the self-care needs that we have meditating. You know, it's not that we have to be, um, so structured and do every single thing all day long, every single day. It's just, you know, can we arrange our lives a little bit to bring in a couple of those things? And I, and in, in speaking to just taking a step forward, just trying something, trying one small thing really does open up a completely different door because we feel better when we take care of ourselves. And someone once told me that self-sabotage is a very quick experience. You know, you're, you're sad, you eat a whole pint of ice cream or Mm -hmm. you're sad. And then you take something out on someone or whatever it might look like. And then afterwards you have this sense of guilt, but self-care is often, not a quick process. It takes time and energy and effort, but my gosh, you sure do feel so much better after you've done something that contributes to your sense of self-care. So mm-hmm. concepts. yeah, you've mentioned meditation a lot and I've, I've, I like your very quick, easy, join me in this breath. doesn't take a lot of time. Your meditations that you have on social media. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit more about meditation, what that means to you and how that could be part of somebody's self-care? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing to keep in mind with meditation is you don't have to be a guru. You don't have mm-hmm. to meditate for 25 minutes to an hour every day. Mm-hmm. You can just start off by taking a minute and between a break at your work and closing your eyes and just... just breathing for a minute. That's Mm -hmm. starting place because we are so quick sometimes in our life, even when we're slow and not doing anything, we don't often remember to come back to our breath and to close our eyes and to unplug. And I think meditation is, um, a sister to unplugging where it's just kind Mm -hmm. of allowing the body to take a break while the mind works in a way that gives us space to just process anything, any unconscious thoughts that are, that are kind of sifting and floating, um, in our mind, our body. And I think there's so many, well, I don't think I know that there are so many different variations of meditation. Um, I usually tend to practice, uh, mindful meditation, mindfulness meditation, or a mantra meditation. Um, those are my Mm -hmm. usual go-tos. Uh, I'm not experienced in like Zen meditation or a transcendental mm-hmm. meditation, yeah. um, hope to be one day, but, uh, meditation doesn't have to be hard. If you mm-hmm. need to sit for a minute, four minutes In fact, there's a book that's called, um, I think it's called, you can find it. If you look up something, it's like four minute meditations mm-hmm. and it just talks about, you can find four minutes in your day to sit down and pause and do nothing and mm-hmm. just you have a thought, you just come back to the breath. If you have a thought, you come back to the breath. If that's 
200 times when you're in meditation, then you've done it right. Meditation is not about having a silent mind. If we can have a silent mind, wonderful, but that's not the actual process. So, or at least for some meditations, that's not the whole point in them. It's just to get really good at working with the muscle that allows us to think and then to come back to the breath. So, right. um, Right. Meditation is great. <laughs> I can't, can't say enough good yeah. things about it. I know. Even just to shrink the amygdala um, so that that part of the brain that just needs a little break so that we're not constantly stressed and our running these, our nervous system. Right. And I love mindfulness meditation and there are different practices and people can find there are lots of free, you know, meditations out there, but returning to the breath. So one of my um, teachers, meditation teachers, finally said to me, well, you know why we return to the breath is because you can't breathe for yesterday and you can't breathe for tomorrow. The only breath you have is the one you're taking right here, right now. And I thought, no, no one has ever said that to me. And I wish they had, because that makes so much more sense. This follow the breath and return to the breath, you know, it feels like it's a task when you don't realize that all it's doing is just bringing you back to this very moment now. And that it's okay. It's completely normal for your mind to wander Mm -hmm. and sensations to come and go. And so one of my favorite mindfulness practices is just to let that be just to watch kind of like you're sitting on a bench and the thoughts are going by and you just notice that you've gone for a ride. You let go <laughs> and sit back down um, on your bench. Now, however, that looks for people. But yeah, because what is your experience with the breath and then the breath being the important piece? Yeah, I think the breath gives us a lot of information, especially if we're stressed. If we pay attention to how our breath is in a certain situation or around a person, think it really lets us know what's happening. Um, or we might not be able to interpret its meaning, but we know that something's happening if we feel calm or if we feel stressed or if we feel nervous or if we feel mad. And I think, I think if we really pay attention, each breath is different around each emotion. And so, um, Mm -hmm. learning to interpret that little by little is, is a really helpful tool and, Mm -hmm. and whatever it is that we're doing, however it is that we're existing. Um, and I really like what your teacher said. I hadn't heard of that before. Thanks for sharing that. That's Isn't that like yeah. so perfect? Yeah, that's, like, that's you can't uh, breathe for yesterday and you cannot breathe for tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> like you're right. I cannot, even though it feels like I'm trying to, um, just Possibly. take, just take the breath that you're taking right now. So yeah, I do love that. And that's been really helpful in the yeah. whole I think breath work is cool too. I don't, I don't, um, yeah, I'm trained in it, but I do mm-hmm. think breath work is, is really incredible for deep releases. Um, mm-hmm. if, if anyone is ever interested in trying that it's, it, it is really, really great to just clear out so many things in our system. Yeah. And even for complex PTSD, one of the things that they found is that breath work alone, when nothing else worked for some of these combat veterans that had multiple, you know, had this complex trauma that breath work was what moved for them or helped them the most. And they had done all the things. So I think some people think breath work is just so simple and it is, but it can be really powerful. 
So I agree with you. And I know you do all the things, but just talking about nourishing your own soul when you, cause you give back so much. I mean, the work that you do is constantly giving. So what do you do for Mm -hmm. yourself as Michelle to nourish your soul? I have my team. I have my team of people. So I have Mm -hmm. my therapist. I have my chiropractor. Mm -hmm. I have my acupuncturist. And I deal with a lot of chronic pain. Being an ex-gymnast really hit me very hard in my 30s. Um, So I have to have my supports. I love listening to music and traveling when I can. Um, I love the water. I'm a water baby. I was born in Daytona Beach on the- That's right. house on the river, house on the ocean, always by the water. So, um, when I can get there, I love to, and just like, you know, binging Netflix, clearing my mind, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting outside on a balcony, enjoying the weather, drinking tea. I mean, it's the stuff that we see all the time on Mm -hmm. social media posts that people are like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm just going to drink my tea. But it's like, no, are you like, are you really drinking it though? Mm -hmm. Are you really like picking up the cup that you love and making it just right for you and just feeling into that sensation. And so I think for me, um, yeah, all, all those things feel great. Drawing, putting on my makeup for an hour, you know, like it's when I, when I get a chance to every once in a while, it's kind of like those things nourish me, um, and good sleep, good sleep and naps when I can. Um, uh, yeah. The yeah. normal, yeah. right. Like the normal, the normal things that everyone should do, but really appreciating those things. I think that's a big, that's a big difference. Right. Appreciation and also mindfulness. Like you're doing all of those things mindfully. And I think that is truly a practice. Um, And I, I feel like that's got to be part of your growing up too, because a lot of us, like that is just not our default is to go to a place of being really present and really in appreciation. And I think that's your kindness, like this embodied kindness is oozing out into these different aspects of making tea. And, um, and I think anybody can do it, but I also, right. Um, and it's a little more challenging for some of us. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it takes just being super conscientious of, Mm -hmm over and over and over again, looking at what we're doing and seeing, do you, do you like how you're doing it right now? Could it be a little bit different? Could you feel better in this moment somehow, some way, what do you need? You know, really asking those questions and I by no means am perfect and have many days, days where I'm completely mindless, you know, and it's like bedtime. And I'm like, what did I, I just worked all day today. What did I do today? But then again, with the work that we do, I'm actually so present in sessions with other people that sometimes I forget I exist. So it's a balance between being so mindful, you know, and providing therapeutic sessions and then also being mindful about myself as well. And it's a nice Mm -hmm. balance that I think we have to find, especially in the work that we do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it just brought to mind like boundaries, you know, having good boundaries and having awareness, but and, and having breaks and having like forcing yourself to yeah. do what you need to do on those breaks so that you're not doing something mindless. Yes. Like um, scrolling through social media for that's 15 exactly. minutes and going, wait, no, wait. I could have just sat and rested. 
yeah, I could have grounded. I could have, yeah, um, done some earthing. I could have done some things to help my soul as opposed to just, yeah, scrolling. And I, I think giving ourselves some compassion and kindness around that because it's very normal to, totally want, normal. to numb, like, especially when you do some kind of hard work that um, takes a lot of your being present and being on, then we want to do something where we're off. Um, right. So, but in the end, that never feels good. No. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I like to, I mean, I love to, to mess around on social media. That's how I find people. And I listen yeah. to your meditations and that's super fun. So sometimes it's good. Yeah. Um, but rarely do I find that it's, you know, really rejuvenating and it, yeah. So I think being mindful of that too, like who you follow, what you're doing mm -hmm. with your time. Yeah. All of the things. So I am so grateful for your time. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Is there any final thoughts that you have that you want to share? Well, I think over the past couple of years, I've just, you know, I usually say this at the end of my sessions to each client and it's take care of yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. So really just whoever's listening, take care of yourself, ask yourself what it is that you need and mm -hmm. what are you curious about? And mm -hmm. if you're curious about, you know, um, seeing a certain practitioner to support you in any way, shoot them a message, ask what it's like to be with them, what it's like, what they do. Um, and like mm -hmm. you said, just start somewhere, one baby step. Yeah, just somewhere. Just somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Nourish Soul podcast. Let's stay connected. You can find me on social media at Dr. Kelly Ritter on Facebook and Instagram is Dr. underscore Kelly, K-E-L-L-I. And I would love to connect with you that way. And also, if you want to find out what we're doing or what we're up to at The Nourished Soul, you can come to the website, nourished-soul.com. And you can join our 30 Calm community. It's free to join. So visit the website. There are lots of articles there. You can find out what's new, what's going on, if there are any events or workshops, or um, I also do some group coaching. So you can find all that information on the website. I look forward to connecting.